God, would you still our hearts and minds to be able to hear your spirit? Good stuff. Um, quick recap of what we've been through so far. The first week was a, a talk about serenity. And um, Dwight Bain gave us a packet on what that looks like in our life. And at the end of the day, serenity is about surrendering control. Second week, we talked about control and looked at the tree of knowledge and how that was contrasted against the tree of life and how that tree of knowledge really summarizes our desire to put ourselves in God's place and be in control. The following week, we talked about being in control of our own finances and how that can be a major stress point, especially for us as men, and surrendering that control to God and trusting Him to give us our daily bread. And then last week, we talked about purpose because as I talked to many of you guys, uh, a very regular stress point that I was hearing is wanting to make sure that I'm actually fulfilling my purpose here on this planet. And so we talked about that last week. This week, I want to talk a, a, a little bit about anger management because anger is a typical response to stress that is going on in our life. Had a meeting this week with a, a gentleman. Um, as, a, as a pastor, I get the privilege, hard privilege sometimes, of counseling couples in marriage situations. And he knows, because uh, we're good friends, he knows that I have wrestled with and still wrestle with anger in my own life. And, and so he was just saying, hey, what, you know, how did you work through that? I'm wanting to know what's going on. So I wanted to dive into that today a little bit because the number one thing that I told him, that I recommended and encouraged him with, is to be a good student of your own heart. Because most of the time, we don't really know what's happening down deep that's driving this anger management, which is birthed out of stress in our lives. And so it's really crucial to be a student of your own heart and find out what's happening and, and what typically drove that for me in my own life <clears throat> is two things. Number one, and most importantly, is I struggled big time and still do sometimes with getting my value in places other than God and what he declared for me on the cross when he said you were worth dying for. I would tend to get my value in being good at things, being a performer, being good at my job and thinking that makes me special because I can do this really well. Um, for women, it's with all of the bombarding that they get um, in the media, uh, so much of their struggle is getting their value from being beautiful. And uh, being a father of two daughters is something that it's just a constant broken record message that I'm speaking into their life and encouraging them with and see that they still struggle with, even though we've been, uh, you know, talking to them about it as, as, as early as they could even speak. 
So, so for me, it was a value issue that when, when I was angry, oftentimes it was because somebody said something to me, like an anger response would often come up in me when somebody questioned what I did or, or if, they, if I didn't do something well and I knew it but somebody mentioned it to me, I would get really defensive because I thought my worth and my value came from being good at work and my job and the things that I was involved in sports, whatever that looked like. And so when somebody would question that, it really, that's my reminder to shut off your cell phones. There we go. Let me make sure that doesn't come back on again. All right. So, so it really, I struggled with getting my value from what other people thought about me. Second was for me, I tend to be an impatient person, and one of the things that I've learned in my uh, history of following Jesus is that nothing, literally nothing that I've ever done that I felt like God called me to actually looked like I thought it was going to look like, right? And so um, so I would struggle with this vision that I thought God had even given me. And, th- and this is birthed out of not even selfishness necessarily, but just what I felt like God was giving me in terms of a vision. And, and then I had this picture of it in my mind and I say, yes, I want it and I want it tomorrow. Let's go do it. That's amazing. God, you're good. It's your vision, all that kind of stuff, but it's got to happen tomorrow. Well, that ain't happened yet <laughs> in my own life. And so for me, um, when, when my vision, when, when I set goals for myself and those goals don't exactly happen like I think they were going to happen, I tend to have an anger response, especially when somebody else would get in the way of what's happening with those goals. And so if somebody didn't show up for something or whatever, or they messed something up, there was not a lot of room for grace in that space because we had a goal, we had a vision, we're going, and it's a good, it's all good. I'm not talking selfish visions, I'm talking good, kingdom-minded visions. But that doesn't make the gospel beautiful in people's lives. Grace does. And as a part of that, one of the things that I struggled with as kind of a subset of that is feeling like I needed to be in control of fixing other people. And the only thing I can do is force people to change their behavior, which is not God's plan for our life. He did not create us to be children that behave well. He created us to be children that walk with him. And he is the only one who can actually change our hearts so that we don't desire to do the things that are self-centered. So, for me, and, and I see this all the time in marriage counseling, typically what happens when a marriage is struggling is she's doing this or he's doing this and the person wanting to be in control of fixing the other person instead of focusing on their own relationship with God because that's all we've got. I can't do anything in your life. But if I can encourage you to get in God's space and be still and pray and meditate and be intimate with Him, you're in good shape, right? So sometimes our accountability group needs to be more about, hey, have you spent time with God? Not did you look at pornography. I'm not saying that's bad, but are you spending time with God? 
And I was talking with, uh, with uh, a couple, and <clears throat> the wife said, and she's like, I'm trying, and, I, and I'm praying for him, and, and yet the things that she's telling me is he, 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 he. And I'm like, really? Are you actually praying for him? Because here's what happens when I pray. I have an Isaiah experience every single time I get in God's space. And, and I, as soon as I say, Heavenly Father, it's like, woe is me. I am an unclean man. I am a, like immediately God's spirit brings to mind the sin that's in my life and the plank that's in my eye. And it's like, woe is me. Now, the beautiful thing is that instantly... It's, I mean, it's crazy how it happens instantly. I also, God's Spirit tells me that I'm forgiven, that I'm fully and completely loved. And it, it's like this instantaneous gospel experience that almost brings you to tears and brings you into a space of worship. It's amazing how that happens. But I'm like, really? Are you really praying for him? Because if you're getting in that space and you're lifting him up, you should also be very, very aware of the sin in your own life. So for me, getting to a place where I understand that Jesus declared my value on the cross, I would say every human being on this planet, that is a core key issue that we've got to come to terms with and get in God's face about is getting our value from the only source that matters because when we get our value from other things and what other people think about us, that value and worth is going to be this emotional roller coaster ride that will drive you to the nut house. <clears throat> you know, and y'all have heard me say this before. Back in the housing bubble before 08, you had homes right here in Stony Brook West that were worth you know, $600,000 one week, they were worth $150,000 a couple of weeks later. It was the craziest thing. And it has everything to do with what somebody thought that thing was worth. But when we get our value and our worth and our specialness from what God declared for us when he died for us and then also said right on the heels of that, not only did I save you from yourself, but I put you here to participate with me in good works of restoring the planet back to what I intended. That is off the chain amazing. And we talked about the fact that there's only one plan that we should want to move forward, and that's God's plan. And what's so beautiful is there's nothing we can do to mess that plan up. So are you stressed about your finances? Guess what? God's going to give you your daily bread. If you continue to hang with Iron Man, I guarantee you're not going to die of starvation because we're going to rally around you and make sure that you have what you need. That's the beauty of biblical community. So I encouraged him to ask this question and ask it a lot. So what? So what? So this thing didn't happen at work. So what? Really and truly, like, for me, I've told you this story. We opened House Blend in 06. Everything was trembling, trending up and up and up. And then 08, bottom drops out. We 
uh, I did not own that business, started it, but our church owned it. Um, but the pastor and I both guaranteed the debt that we took on to start it. We had some donations. We took on some debt. We guaranteed that debt against our homes as collateral, which I, I had so many business people tell me, what are you thinking? That's just really dumb. But for me, it wasn't important to own it so, um, because it wasn't about me. But it was a huge stress point for me because the bottom drops out and I'm sitting here worrying about where is my family going to live if we lose our house. And I would literally wake up in the middle of the night out of a dead sleep in tears knowing that in a few hours when the sun comes up, payroll checks are going to hit and they're going to bounce. And I just saw God do crazy, crazy, like just-in-time kind of stuff over and over and over again. And in the midst of that, I got to see him do amazing things. I'll give you one example. Because we couldn't pay our bills and we were struggling to, you know, with cash flow and all, you know, and figuring out how do we buy food, but then also pay all this stuff over here at the same time so we can stay in business. Had a, a guy from our fire extinguisher company come by because we hadn't paid him. And so he said, hey, can I get a check? And, and while he's there waiting on me to run back to the office to get a check, he realizes that he missed one of the fire extinguishers and, and it, you know, in the renewal process. So he, he recharged it, put the new tag on it the very next day the fire inspector showed up. Come on, God. Like, what? That's, he's, it's just, it's things like that. Literally over and over and over again, I saw God's faithfulness. And I think that's what James 1 is all about. And we're going to read that here in just a second. In fact, would you mind helping me pass these out? Y'all can just kind of send them around. I don't know that we got enough for everybody. I printed 30. It'll be close. <laughs> Hopefully my printer actually kicked out 30. I didn't count them. <clears throat> if we start running short, let's uh, share. and uh, So let's read, um, or if you have your Bibles, go to James chapter 1. And this isn't a new scripture for a lot of you guys. So stress happens when we believe lies, and Jesus battled lies when he was tempted. He didn't argue with Satan. He didn't philosophize with him. He just simply said, it is written because the word of God has power and authority over everything. So James chapter 1 verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. It's the only thing that Scripture says, if you ask God for something, you are guaranteed to get it. But you better believe that he's going to give it to you, because otherwise, listen to what it says. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. 
So what I began to see is God just showed up over and over and over again, and he was faithful over and over and over again. The, the trials began to produce endurance and perseverance in me because the next time a trial came up, I began to say, okay, this really stinks, but God, you showed up every time before. I know you're going to show up again. And so that's why we should count it all joy when those trials come up because they produce endurance and perseverance within us. <clears throat> Matthew 11, we've read that, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Are you stressed is what Jesus is saying and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Did you wake up this morning and rejoice Today's the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace, who wants that? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is a direct contrast to stress, and it is birthed out of faith and trusting that God's in control, that God is good, that God loves you. What else do we need? So what? So what? <clears throat> We're going to, just for the sake of time, I'm going to skip over to next next page, Romans chapter 8. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things, all things. I know we know it in our heads, but do we actually feel it? Does it affect our general adrenaline responses? Do we know that in all things God works together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. That's what we got to look forward to, gentlemen. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That's a promise. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are, being re we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, this is good, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Skip down to the last passage, 2nd Ironman 7, verses 1 through 7. 
<laughs> Real men surrender. They surrender their lives to Jesus Christ and his mission for them. They surrender their need to get their value from others and instead trust that God declares they were worth dying for. They surrender the illusion of control to God who is the only one who can actually handle it. We cannot. They surrender the illusion of control of fixing others who is the only one, that God is the only one who can change hearts. He began and finishes work in people's hearts. We don't do that. We can't do it. They surrender their pride and consider others as more important than themselves. That is so freeing, gentlemen, to let go of needing to be the top dog and letting somebody, considering other you know, people to be more important than ourselves. Walk in that freedom. They surrender the results of their work to God, even though they work and work really hard. They surrender the results of the spiritual warfare to God, even though they fight and fight hard with the armor of God and the fruits of the Spirit. And they surrender their pride and fight in the never-ending strength of God so that He gets the glory and honor and credit. And may we constantly guard our hearts against pride. So I leave you with that question as we wrap up stress management. So what? And you may find an answer and then ask yourself about that thing. So what? And ask yourself about that thing. So what? And eventually as you keep asking so what, you'll get down to the core of what's really driving the stress in your life. And I want to wrap up with this song just as a chance to be still, to meditate, and remember as you ask yourself that question, so what? Take it all away. Take away the house. Take away the job. What is so what? At the end of the day, we still are left with Jesus. So just be still. Meditate on this. Let the, the words of this song just wash over you and hopefully be an encouragement to you and a chance to just be calm before we head out into the madness of this planet of death out there. Hang on. Yeah, right. No, I don't want your message. All right, this is stressing me out.
Take it all away. You can have all this world. And we lack nothing. We lack nothing. Amen? Let's pray. God, you're so good. Forgive us when we doubt your goodness. Forgive us when static interrupts our prayer. God, thank you for your love and your grace.